Several weeks ago, at the beginning of all this, I gave you a talk about aircraft carriers and the fact that an aircraft carrier is really a useful thing in a disaster because it can make water and it's got helicopters and all that kind of stuff. But that's not why we build it. It's built to be a weapon of war. God's church is the same way. We heal the sick, we go out and comfort people, we come through in disasters and all that kind of stuff, but that's not why we were built. We were built to be a weapon in God's hands. Well, I'm reading a book, or actually I just finished it, which is kind of fun, by a guy named Doug Wilson, and I've mentioned him before. He's my Calvinist guy up in Idaho, and he's written a book called Rules for Reformers. It's sort of based on Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, but aimed at the church. And one of the things that he's got in there is he recounts the principles of war, and those are classic, you know, Sun Tzu, Army War College, all over the place. And what he does is he recasts those for the church. And it is my hope next week to talk about those. But in order for those to make sense, what we need to do is identify the enemy. And that's what I hope to do today. You all remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal? where they go up on Mount Carmel and we have this contest between God and Baal, which is kind of an uneven contest since Baal doesn't exist. And at the end of that, what they did is they slew the prophets of Baal. They did not slay all of the people who had been deceived by the prophets of Baal. So what I want to identify for us today are the prophets of Baal and I hope get you to understand that there's a whole lot of people that are deceived. In other words, they're doing stuff that is in service of the other side, but they're not doing it necessarily out of maliciousness. They're just deceived. But the prophets of Baal, they know what they're doing. So what we want to do is identify the prophets of Baal because then that becomes our target. Now, in this day and age, we don't get to slay them all and throw their bodies into the brook Bashan. I mean, softies, we're all softies these days. We can't do that stuff anymore, which is sad. But anyway, no, I'm kidding, obviously. So the prophets of Baal are those who maintain the pagan temple. I have talked several times, and this is going to sort of be the basis of things. Covetousness is idolatry. And your scripture reference for that is Colossians 3, starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So Paul is equating covetousness and idolatry. And you, of course, know that covetousness is forbidden as the last of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's ox, your neighbor's field, any of that kind of stuff. And this should be all review for most of you. Ten Commandments are one of several lists of ten in Scripture. And the tenth thing in that list is sort of the culmination and the wrap-up of the first nine. You have the ten words of creation in the beginning, God created, and so forth. And the culmination of those ten words of creation is the creation of man. So everything that goes before is for the purpose of setting up number 10. Same thing with the Ten Commandments. So you have all of the things that are listed in the Ten Commandments, starting with, I am the Lord your God. And at the end, it says you shall not covet. Now, 
we got into trouble because of covetousness originally. Because in the garden, the woman coveted something that she was not supposed to have, which is the ability to discern good from evil. God had reserved that for himself. And what she did is she coveted that at the instigation of the snake. And because of that covetousness, she ate of the forbidden fruit. And we are where we are now. So covetousness is sort of a linchpin. And what happens is stewards of institutions become greedy. Now let me give you some examples. You all have read 1 Samuel. Remember Eli the priest has two worthless sons, Hophni and Phinehas? And Hophni and Phinehas are the stewards of the sacrifices. So when people come up to sacrifice, they go through Hophni and Phinehas because they're the sons of the high priest. They are priests. And what they do is they sort of stick their hands in ahead of time and they get what they want as opposed to what God says they can have. In other words, they are stewards of an institution, in this case the tabernacle, and they have become greedy. And they are now taking the best for themselves as opposed to the shoulder and whatever the priest is supposed to take. As a result of that, what they do is they turn the tabernacle into an idol. And what God does is he then removes the Ark of the Covenant from them. The Philistines capture it and Hophni and Phinehas are with the armies of Israel and they go down to fight against the Philistine. Hophni and Phinehas are killed and the Philistine capture the Ark of the Covenant because it has been turned into an idol by its stewards, the ones who are supposed to keep it. And because they are covetous and they are greedy, what they've done is they've taken this institution that is set up by God and it has become instead a servant of man. It has become a vehicle to feed their greed. Hence, it has become an idol. And when that happens, God removes it. Remember in the wilderness, we have the little flying fiery serpents that bite people. What does God do? God says to Moses, make a bronze snake and stick it up on a pole. And whenever anybody is bitten, have them look at the snake and they will be healed. Well, by the time of Hezekiah, that thing had become an idol. And so as Hezekiah is going through destroying the high places, one of the things that he has to destroy is that bronze snake that was made by Moses. That's in Second Kings. So again, you have something that is set up by God that has been turned into an idol by man, and God has to destroy it. Fast forward to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The setup here is the temple has become an idol. Move on to Jeremiah 7, 8, four verses later. Behold, you trust in these deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered only to go on doing these abominations. Has this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. So the temple has become an idol. 
In other words, the people are going out, doing all sorts of abominations, worshiping Baal, all that kind of stuff, and they run to the temple of the Lord and say, ha, we're delivered. And what the temple has become is an idol, a magic symbol, a thing that they can go for and magically get saved from their sins. But they don't repent of their sins. And the next thing God does is he destroys that idol. The Babylonians destroy that temple. Yeshua, when he comes into Jerusalem, says the exact same thing. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers? Remember when he turns over the tables and all that kind of stuff? And guess what? 30 years later, that temple is destroyed by the Romans. It has become an idol again. And when it becomes an idol, God destroys it. And the reason it becomes an idol is because the stewards, the priests, those people who are charged with the daily operation of this institution of God become greedy. And you have the money changers and the sellers of pigeons and all that kind of stuff operating in there. And it's become a going concern, which is serving the people who are supposed to serve it instead of serving the purpose that it was designed for. And when that happens, it becomes an idol. And when that happens, God destroys the idol all throughout history. And the process of turning it into an idol starts with greed, covetousness. Now, let me read you a piece that was written this week by a guy named Angelo Codvia. He is a scholar at the Claremont Institute, really bright guy. I've read several of his pieces. He's just really bright. And the title here is Scamocracy in America. And I'll read just a quote from it. Does the ruling class's shutdown of America, supposedly to save us from COVID-19, have anything in common with its campaign for all manner of racial preferences in the name of racial equality? How about with its campaign against fossil fuels to save us from global warming? What does it have in common with establishing the proper relationship between the sexes by promoting divorce and abortion, by presuming men guilty of sexual assault and by redefining sex? Does it resemble in any way the dumbing down of American education that resulted from the manifold increase in educational spending that promised the opposite? And could any of these ever so diverse campaigns possibly be related to the war on poverty that swelled America's underclass, or to the post-1945 wars that produced defeat upon defeat, but filled corporate boards with retired generals. What Covia is saying is the stewards of the institution have become greedy, and they are now running our institutions for their benefit as opposed to for the reasons they were created. And when that happens, the word in legal terms, is fraud. And what's happening in the United States right now is we have turned government into an idol through our greed. And what does God do when we turn institutions into idols? He destroys them. So, remember Elijah. What we're after are the prophets of Baal. We're not really after our brothers and sisters who are deceived. But I will tell you there are prophets of Baal in our temple that are not deceived at all. They are using our institutions to enrich themselves, 
They are using our institutions to increase their own power. They are explicitly using our institutions to draw us away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of the features of this shutdown is it hits churches disproportionately hard. That's not an accident. Our government threw God out of the public square. In fact, our dear governor, one of the things that he said as he was inaugurated, you Christians have to leave your religion back in the church. You cannot bring it into the public square. Our governor said that. And so the prophets of Baal have changed our institutions through their greed, and our government has become an idol. It has become the thing that we turn to to solve all of our problems. Ooh, we got tent cities in the streets because people are poor and drug-ridden and insane. Well, we need a government program to fix that. And by the way, our churches move right in lockstep with these government programs because they gain influence and wealth through the same programs. That's one of the things that launched the Reformation. The Catholic Church had turned itself into an idol through the greed of its priests. That's what caused Martin Luther to tack his theses up. That's what caused it. The stewards of the institution of God, his holy church, had become greedy. They had become covetous, and they had turned the church into an idol. That's what launched the Reformation. The Reformation had its own problems because what the Reformation did is exalted human reason. Now, human reason is a good thing. As I've said many times, I use it myself sometimes. It's part of our operating system. God built it into us. The ability to reason is something we were designed to do. But what we have done is we have lifted reason into an idol, and our government has thrown out God in favor of specious reason, which is to say fraudulent reason. One of the things about reason is the handmaiden of the emotions. So whatever the emotions want, reason will figure out a way to do it. That's what it's designed to do. So when our institutions have been turned into idols and the priests of our institution, our government ministers, bureaucrats, the Department of Motor Vehicles, all these people, when they've turned our institutions into idols, they have then enlisted reason in the service of justifying what they've done. One of the things my dear wife grouses about, and I just sort of look at her and laugh, sorry, my dear, is she listens to people in the news and the radio and says, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, of course it doesn't make any sense. That's a feature, not a bug. And what I call it is word salad. Listen to politicians and bureaucrats. What you're listening to is word salad. It's meaningless. And it's all designed for noise to get you to go along with whatever they've told you they want you to do. And they will just keep throwing this word salad out until you all go away and they get to do what they want. The fact that it's irrational, illogical, doesn't work, and all that kind of stuff is, as I say, that's a feature, not a bug because it's designed in the service of idolatry. It is the liturgy of the prophets of Baal. Politically correct speech, bureaucratic baffle gab, all of that kind of stuff is the liturgy of the prophets of Baal. Recognize that as such. 
And what we have done is we have given them a place of honor and a place of respect. So when doctor somebody stands up and says, all right, we got to turn the whole economy off because if we don't, we're all going to die. Ooh, because we must turn everything off. That is idol worship. That's what's happening there. So as we're going forward here, and as I say, I hope next time to be able to put together for you a list of the principles of war as presented by Doug Wilson in his book, which is the principles of war as applied to Christianity, to us. Because what does Yeshua say? Be innocent as doves and wise as snakes. you got to be wise. Because otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to tilt at a windmill and you're going to get smacked in the head by the blade and killed. Patton, General George Patton. Nobody ever won a war by dying for his country. You win by making the other poor bastard die for his. So we need to study the art of war because this is a spiritual war that has broken out in the physical. And we need to educate ourselves. We need to be skillful in that. But first, we need to identify who our enemy is. And as I say, the poor sod on the street that's looking for a safe place to inject and looking for a government program to provide him a safe injection place, that's not your enemy. That poor soul is a victim of the priests of Baal. He's not your enemy. I mean, he may be in your face and he may be a problem, don't get me wrong, but that's not your real enemy. So one of the things that I will say, again, this is something I've also said before, getting in the battle is the only way that we are going to preserve ourselves. Because what happens over and over and over in Scripture is when God finally has it up to here with the idols that we create, God sends everybody to Babylon. Daniel was a righteous man. Daniel spent his whole life in Babylon. So unless you want to go to Babylon, you need to get with the program and you need to study war and you need to get good at it. And to quote, I don't remember who it was, but it isn't original with me. What we have to do is trust that the little bit we bring to God, he will multiply because the victory is his. It is not ours. We don't get to claim credit. We don't get to claim glory. His is the victory. But if we don't strap on our swords, the Philistines are going to overrun us because we didn't fight. Don't trust in yourself for the victory. Go out and do what you're called to do. And by the way, this church, I think, punches way above its weight. You guys have been on the forefront in abortion. You've been on the forefront of getting petitions passed. You're out there doing protests. And stuff. I mean, you guys are... You're okay. I'm very proud of you. And what we need to do now is get you educated so that you're even more skillful. Et al-shama.